that's what companies are made of is groups of people. So if we don't keep our people connected, then organizations really do become unglued. And all the research says that's painful. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Esports has exploded into the mainstream. Born from the world of video games, through competitions, influencers, and social media platforms, the esports ecosystem will surpass a billion dollars in revenue for the first time in 2021. Viewership in the U.S. is averaging 26 million views per month. 26 million people watching people play video games. It's incredible. Universities are forming teams and fields of study. Professional esports teams are valued in the millions of dollars. Indianapolis has been home to the NFL Combine for years. Now, we are hosting the Esports Combine. Esports present unique challenges and unique opportunities. Enter today's guest, Scott Novus. Scott is the CCO, Chief Creative Officer for Bravis. Bravis is an esports production company for schools, universities, and communities. Welcome to the show, Scott. Boy, thank you for having me on. That's uh, exciting. It's funny you talked about your numbers. To put it in context for your audience, more people watch the League of Legends Championship than the Final Four and the Super Bowl combined. Wow. That yes. is just amazing. Yeah, and probably half your audience doesn't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're going to learn. I, I tell you that. They yes. are going to learn. I have a grandson, Jordan, that is a huge Fortnite fan. So oh, yeah. that game I know. Scott, tell us a little bit about your background and then segue that into the background of Bravis. Yeah, sure. Um, my quick resume, I have two engineering degrees, uh, named on 11 patents. I was in the video game industry developing games for almost 20 years. So my gameology is 15 published titles, about 20 million units sold, a couple of billion in revenue. Um, not all mine, wish it was, uh, I left <laughs> that industry. Um, I was a vice president for the Walt Disney company to start game truck. So we launched the mobile video game party industry. We entertain millions of kids every year, big RV pulls up in front of your house, goes inside, kids go inside and play video games. It's, it's a ton of fun. Um, I started Bravis when I saw the incredible effect that an adult that cared about video games had on the kids. So our game coaches, the people that drive the trailers and run the parties, uh, are avid gamers and many are professional gamers. And what we saw was that maybe we should be working with kids more than two hours a year. And so as we started moving into this, we created Bravest Esports with sort of a vision to be the little league of esports. But it quickly morphed into um, the college market in particular is that, you know, there are people that want to play games together with people they know. And so we really started optimizing on creating great, inclusive, private events. You know, we love to say, if you show up, you're gonna play. Like, yes, you can play. Inclusion is our highest value. So we're big into adaptive controllers. We're big into like anything we can do to make it possible for you 
to participate because we believe that gaming can be a tremendously inclusive platform for wide ranges of people. And that's kind of our passion is to use gaming to create human connection, you know, bust the myth that gaming is isolating. You know, that's how we use it. And that's kind of what we do today is we do a lot of events for colleges, universities and companies where they're just like, how do we reconnect? Yeah. So Scott, when we talked a couple of weeks ago, you shared a story uh, about some of the observations that you've made with the connections that you've seen with kids playing the games and these coaches. Could you talk a little bit about that connection right. and why you think that that is so strong in in esports with the with kids specifically? Well, I. I think it's driven by a couple of macro trends and some of these things are so big that I had in plain sight, like, you know, it, part of it has to go with kids access to team sports and actual coaches has collapsed and people are what? And it's, it looks more popular than ever. But mm -hmm. when you think about it, like the power five conferences, think your SECs, Pac-12, they haven't added a team in 50 years, huh. but we've doubled our population and tripled the number of kids going to school. My alma mater, Arizona State in 1984 was the largest in-person campus in the country with only 19,000 yeah. yeah. students. That's like a JUCO today. So now that school has 105,000 students with one football team, one baseball team, one basketball team. By 2020, 70% of 11-year-olds are falling out of team sports. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I know where they are, and so do you. They're in video games. And what happened in gaming that wasn't obvious to everyone is two factors. Um, game multiplayer games used to be played on individual servers. So they, if the server got full, you were stuck. You mm -hmm. couldn't join it, and so getting good games could be problematic. So they moved to the cloud, so you could have everybody to pick from. But then, to keep kids safe, they created algorithms to make sure we never introduce you to somebody who's close enough to you to walk over to your house and meet you because it's too dangerous. Mm -hmm. So that means the video games systematically isolate players. So to have a friend, to play with a friend, you have to already have them. And for a lot of kids, they've lost that connection. And you get these weird family situations where, you know, Bobby wants to go meet Jimmy, who he's playing with. Only Bobby's mm -hmm. 10 years old in Kentucky and Jimmy is 30 years old in California. And mom goes, what? what? Yep. So what we were seeing is because adults didn't actively participate when any of this was going on, there was no mentorship. There was no coaching. And we know... John Hopkins just published some research on this, that one of the most valuable relationships a kid can have is an adult who is not a parent, not a teacher that cares about their well-being. They used to be your coach. So when we got into the, the, the game trailers, what we were seeing is that the adults that knew about games and cared about the kids, suddenly here's a role model for that kid. And we thought, man, this is what we should be doing. So when we run youth programs, we always send out two staff, always two because we want them to role model what it looks like to be a mature, competent gamer and to role model behaviors between people. Because a lot of the stuff we see on social media and TV is lousy sportsmanship, mm -hmm. right? All the stuff that outrages us, that's what gets traction and engagement. We want to see real people that really respect each other and compete, interact with each other. And that's the model we try to set for kids. Interestingly, when we get into the collegiate <laughs> environment, it's not that yeah. different. You know, they're looking to connect with people and they're looking for guidance. Like what everybody goes to college. What happened to them? They just moved away from their family and 90% of their friends they knew went to school with 
split up and everybody goes and self-selects wherever they're going. So now they're in a completely new environment with completely new people and they're trying to rebuild their social networks. Mm -hmm. And if they're gamers, that could be tricky. So that's why we ended up being very popular in campus programs because we create fun, inclusive, casual, competitive environments that are really about come on in and play. Like it's never too late to register. It's never too late to participate. And we're all about trying to help these kids connect around their common interests. Our belief is friends are made shoulder to shoulder, not face to face. I actually think, actually think competition is a lousy substitute for connection. I think cooperation and collaboration is way more effective. And competition can be okay, but too often we get so caught up in it, we don't see how actually toxic it can be to forming uh, genuine friendships. So we do a lot of different types of things. Some of these games are teams, right? I mean, you're, you're, they're, forming, Absolutely. they're forming teams, so they're not competing against their buddy. They're working with their buddy. Right. Yep. And what is happening for a lot of groups is it's really hard to form a team um, and to get on a team and get communicated. So that's what we're trying to do is provide partner with people that already have a safe environment to meet face to face and say, well, let's, let's do the gaming here where you can actually meet somebody. And what we see all the time is in person, people behave very differently than they do online. Mm -hmm. And they're much more likely to form a friendship or a connection. And where I thought, you know, this would be interesting to your audience. What we're beginning to see is that gaming generation we started with 15 years ago, they're coming into workforce today. Mm-hmm. And they're working at your companies and gaming is how they interact with other people. Look, we already know gamification is a humongous trend in software development. It's just this tiny step away going, um, you might want to start embracing gaming as a way to create more inclusion, more participation and more engagement, especially if you have work from home teams. Mm -hmm. And there's a whole genre of games and things that people can do and participate in because what we're seeing is, you know, office environments are engineered not just to get work done, but also to create what are called um, unstructured conversations. Cash, we bump into each other, right, right? Right, right. Well, when we sent everybody to work from home and we've got all these great processes and tools, suddenly work became only about task work. Mm -hmm. So what do you think that's doing to people? Yeah, you lost the personal connection. Yeah. More disconnected. Yep. And then... Since I'm disconnected from everybody and all I do is task work, well, I'll just do task work for whoever the highest bidder is. Right, right. So a lot of these companies unintentionally are turning into competition for Fiverr, right? Everybody's an independent contractor and their skills are available to the highest bid because they have no connection to anyone else in the organization. And that's what companies are made of is groups of people. So if we don't keep our people connected, then organizations really do become unglued and all the research says that's painful is that when we disconnect from other people, literally there's a word for it. It's called despair. Mm -hmm. We're unpairing. Yeah. So when we unpair from the people we're working with, or we see on a, I mean, eight hours a day, I don't get to spend eight hours a day with my family. Right. But now instead of work being eight hours a day, me being connected with people around me, I'm eight hours a day at isolation doing task work. Despair is not an uncommon, like the, the specter of that is disengagement and disconnection and demotivation. Yeah, yeah. It becomes pathological when it becomes despair. Well, and I like how you played the word game, right? The, the root word of unpaired despair. 
And you've also used another pair word, repair, bringing people yes. back together again, right? And that's what you're trying to do with your platforms. Exactly. So one of the biggest things we do is our biggest, we do this thing we call a virtual esports open. And we, it's not really competitive, but its real goal is to create a safe environment for people to come together and reconnect. And so because we're aligning them towards a common objective and they're participating together, like there's actually a ton of games that are cooperative and collaborative. And because we're lining them up together, and this is really interesting about adults. Um, a friend of mine, Allison Friedrichsen, has her PhD in helping adult learning. Mm -hmm. Is adults learn by mining their experience first. So we think we have this illusion in school that people give you information from the outside. Mm -hmm. But by the time you become a professional, it flips. Whenever you get new information, the first thing you do is map it to something you already know to see if it's valuable or valid. And we're constantly doing that. And the other thing about adults is we're social learners. Adults learn better together than individually. In school, we got to get grades. We got to qualify you. So it's all about isolated learning. It's all about individual performance. Mm -hmm. But in companies, it's all about team learning and team performance. And so one of the great things about these games is that we can use them to literally trigger a social learning environment because everybody's sharing the experience we can synchronize them together. And so that creates this environment of people to talk about their shared experience. And that's what we're missing from the office. Mm -hmm. The shared experience of the fridge, even dumb things like the fridge is full. Who stole my lunch? Right. Where are right. we going to go to lunch? Remember those dumb conversations? Uh -huh. Like, why can't we figure this thing out? Right, right. We spent 45 minutes figuring out where to go to lunch and we had 20 minutes left to eat. Yep. We don't have that anymore. So we need to be intentional about creating opportunities to do dumb things and talk about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is an angle that, that I don't think we talked about, Scott, and I'd love your thoughts on this. A lot of what I've been reading since we started uh, preparing for the, our conversation today is the other side of gaming, which is the violence that are in the, that's in the game. Oh, right. What's your position on that, and how do you, how do you respond to the critics, if you will? Absolutely. So... I've had to do a lot of research into the three big, the three big things that happen. So let's go back to despair. There are three, I'm in the shallow end of the pool, right? I'm up here on the beach, but this goes all the way down to the darkest ports of the ocean. Mm -hmm. When people disconnect, there's, it's painful. So they have three ways of dealing with it. One of them is numbing, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, everybody knows the employee that worked. It's just, they're taking up space. They're totally demotivated. You're like, God, why don't you quit already? Um, there, what is this? You know, the second one is that sort of people like literally quit. They check out. They're mm -hmm. like, that's it. I can't do this job anymore. They leave. The third one's a little weird is they become toxic. I can't win. So I'm going to make sure nobody else wins. Yeah. And it's really brutal to see a good employee flip to the dark side. And each of those goes to a next level that's really dark, mm -hmm. right? Numbing becomes addiction. Yeah. And quitting becomes violence against self, suicide. Yeah. Toxicity becomes violence against others. So the core things that we've seen is that violence in video games has no correlation with increased aggression in players 
what we're seeing over and over again in the research is that these are all different responses to the core root of disconnection and emotional pain uh, from isolation. And yes, social platforms and, and who you get with, like you can absolutely get accelerated down any one of those paths, um, depending upon what influences you get. But like, if you go back to the addiction one, um, the research about Rat Park, I thought was phenomenal. A guy named um, John Harari did a thing on every, you know, everything you know about addiction is wrong, but it's very similar to what we're seeing with, you know, the violence is if you create healthy social environments and you bond people together, like we do work with uh, the Air National Guard, and this is really sad, right? If you volunteer to serve your nation in any aspect of the military, that could be one of the most dangerous decisions you make right. because your chances of suicide jump exponentially. It's like significantly higher than everybody else. And so there's a huge emphasis on how do we diffuse that? How do we help these people that are willing to give their lives to defend the country and then later take it themselves? It's just tragic. Mm -hmm. And all of that comes back to, again, connection, bonding, and the warning signs people are checking out. And we're seeing the research I have access to says similar things with violence. Is it's reaction to emotional pain. People are disconnected and they act out. And you know, our mission is that's why we're focusing on how do we reconnect people? Yeah. How do we rebond them? Because when we bond, three things develop in people. Emotional regulation, that's a big one. Believe it or not, you and I help each other manage our emotions. So the more closely we are, the more we can help each other with that. Yeah. Secondly is um, relatedness. So the more we relate with people, the easier it is to relate with people. There's a really interesting... Uh, aspect that when you find somebody you admire, simply admiring somebody opens the pathway to you beginning to emulate that behavior in yourself. So the more you're around people that you like and admire and respect, the more you begin to normalize those attributes across the group. This is why teams can be so powerful in families and tribes. Um, the last one is resiliency. Mm -hmm. So if you relate well to people and you can regulate your emotions, guess what you also get? You're more resilient. You yeah. can adapt to uncertainty and change. So bonding's a really big deal. And when you flip that around, what's a formula to create a psychopath, right? I can't relate to anybody. Mm -hmm. I can't control my emotions. And I'm fragile as can be, so I snap. Yeah, yeah. Not good, right? Those are not good things. So we're not psychologists. We're not, we don't have degrees. We can't prescribe drugs. We don't do treatment programs. But we all the indications are catch it early. And a, a great program out of um, Iceland, I thought what they did was phenomenal. And it goes in an in interesting relation. They had the highest drug usage in all of Europe in the early 90s. And they reversed it. And now they have the lowest among their teens. It was incredible. And the core of what they did is they realized that kids that are left to their own devices um, would get into trouble. Right. So they wanted to soak up all of the free time the kids had with activities. So they created a national version of like the YMCA to mirror school. It's not educational. It's a place for you to play and compete and have fun. And what they learned, and this is two key elements, kids not only need to play, they need to display. They need to be seen playing. Hmm. And so they created that social environment. And so that's like, we bake that into all of our programs. Like we're not fans of people competing anonymously online with computer matchups. We use 
people to set the matchup. So we have our human tournament organizer, but we always have a show. There's always a live stream with a host. So what the host does is they're commenting on the gameplay to create the display of people playing together. And what we find is four to 10 times as many people will tune in to watch as will actually sign up to participate in an event. We're super social as animals. And so if we can create a bridge, it helps everybody participate and connect. And that's like one of the things that's missing from a lot of people's video gaming is silent gaming in the dark. Like we don't do that. It's like we shine a spotlight on it and bring it out, grab the microphone and get you that play and display. And the 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 whole goal is generate conversation. Make so a like show a statistic. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So a statistic that we track in every event we do is number of unique chatters. We want to know how much are people talking. And we're oh. always trying to get them engaging and talking and mixing around the shared event. So talk us through what an event looks like. So as I mentioned in the intro, I'm sitting here in, in Indianapolis, Indiana. I want to bring an event here. What does that look like? All right. And how, do, how does that work? You know, I'm a huge fan of uh, zero friction gaming, show up and play. <laughs> you know, it's like, we just want all you want to do is show up and play. For your audience, what it might look more like in a, in a collegiate environment, there's, we do things in person. And when we do, we bring everything. Mm -hmm. So literally you call us, we take care of everything. We bring all the equipment and people just show up, sit down and play for two to four so hours. So it goes back to rolling the truck like you were doing. At exactly. The okay. We just, yeah. for companies, we do it inside. Adults actually are scared of the box. It's a little funny. <laughs> uh, they don't want to be, they don't want to be locked in and adults need time to warm up to an idea. There'll be a couple of early adopters, but they need more time to like circle something and get comfortable. And it takes a lot for them sort of to disarm their, pro their professional veneer. Mm -hmm. They need permission to play. Yeah. And yeah. they really need permission to play from the senior people in their organization. They need to know it's okay. And they're not going to be reprimanded for having fun. It sounds weird, mm -hmm. but it's super common. So we have more of a, a, we'll take over a conference room or break room or cafeteria or and so there's a lot of space. It's super important. And then they can zero in and begin to participate at the rate they're comfortable. Mm -hmm. And that's another reason a commentator keeps everybody engaged till they're ready to try themselves. Online, it's a little different. Just as this, you jump into Zoom call. Yeah, yeah. But we get you into the video game. So we give you the links. We tell you how to join. We have games that are free to play. Um, some people already have the game and they want to participate. Like you said, Fortnite. Yeah. You can download Fortnite for free. And then we start the match, we get everybody in the game. And so there's the stream you can watch, which is following some of the players around while commentators make it entertaining, mm -hmm. um, waiting for the next matches. And the audience is interacting because it's like, God, this whole thing with Twitch, right? Here's the thing that happened to a generation. We told them, don't be consumers. <laughs> Jeff, I thought that meant stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like, quit using disposable straws. To them, it also means their entertainment. They want to participate in creating their entertainment. They don't want to watch your broadcast anymore. Yeah, yeah. They want to be on the show. They want to participate in the show. And that's what Twitch does. Twitch lets the audience real-time interact with the hosts, everything they're doing. And so it creates this social dynamic that is really interesting and novel. And so that's what we're doing in, in the tournaments is that everybody can participate at the level they're comfortable in whether it's competing, watching, chatting, that you're saying, hey, I'll catch you where you are mm -hmm. and, and include you. So for the person hosting it, 
it's turnkey. You call us, we take care of everything. People show up, we send you the registration link and how to get in the game. They show up and our staff takes over and we kick off the event in the stream. And usually it's a lot of fun because people are chatting and having fun and then we begin to play. And it's amazing. Even people that don't play video games will watch their friends compete in video <laughs> games. Uh-huh. Like, it, 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 it's actually like I joke sometimes we're really good at making bad gameplay fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And cause it's people, you know, and so there's this element of that new memories being formed cause we're doing something together that isn't so serious and it allows them to blow off some steam and reconnect around a shared experience. Mm-hmm. And like I, I've said this before, you know, I think friends are made shoulder to shoulder, not face to face. So when we share that experience, like you said, in a team, we're more bonded. Yeah. So as you're bringing these into the corporate world, a lot of times, you know, it's going to take uh, it's going to take bandwidth. It's going to take maybe opening yep. some ports and firewalls and da da da. Do you run into the IT team that says no, we can't bring it in? <laughs> Have you run into an IT team that didn't say no? Um, <laughs> Sorry. You know, I mean, that's one of the reasons that I really want to be on your show, because I think there's absolutely an opportunity for your audience to flip the script, Uh like I'm trying to do with video games in isolation, that they could absolutely bring solutions to their people. So many people are work from home now. Yeah. Yeah. So now you're like, what do we do? Like, we have a list of games that require no install. They don't require the firewall. They're just fun social games that people can share together online that run in a web browser, honestly. Mm-hmm. And so to be clear, we have completely in-person events that run with no internet whatsoever. Like we'll show up anywhere and we're like, we don't need to touch your footprint. We don't need to talk to your network. We can bring completely self-contained gaming into a space. And most IT departments love us for that because we're not bringing them any additional work. Yeah. And we're not making them the bad guy, right? Nobody wants to be the bad guy. They hate getting requests they have to say no to. Who likes saying no, right? Right. And so from that domain, if, you, if we show up in person, it's like, there's nothing. We've got it all. It's just fun. When you go to online, then we're focused on things that require no install, no special ports, and it's peer-to-peer type, browser-to-browser connections. And they're private because we're hosting it inside like a Google Meet or a Zoom. And so it's just private to your organization. And it's simple. And I've got friends that run IT companies. And I've said, try this with me. And he's like, ooh. I'm like, yes, you can say yes to this. Mm-hmm. He's like, yes, I can. So we understand that you know we don't want to make anybody's life harder. right? We want to make it easy for people to connect. And for your audience, what I want to make them aware of is with a little bit of resources and like given my contact information, I'm happy to help. They can be an advocate to help people connect and play in fun ways. And they could bring solutions they can vet. And like if they need help, we'd love to help them because yeah. I get, I'm lucky I work with outgoing nerds. I'm an outgoing nerd, right? I'm a, a gregarious one and we're rare. And so we have a collection of them and we make it fun to do nerdy things. But that's there are solutions out there where I think a lot of your audience can absolutely have a positive, healthful impact. And look, all of this is cheaper than flying one person in for a meeting. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like it's so expensive to travel today. You factor in plane flights, rental car, hotel, per diem. It's like, yeah, one person, you can do your whole team um, for an hour and boost everybody for less than that. 
And if you want, you know, obviously we run longer, you know, um, we've worked with some really big organizations, but it's the whole point is that this technology is just sitting there underutilized. And so I'm an advocate for, I love working from home. We went completely virtual, but we do this for ourselves and my team to stay connected. It's not enough just to be in well-structured meetings yeah. and task work. We need time to actually remember why we like each other and why we like working. Well, and not to stereotype, but to stereotype, probably a lot of our listeners are gamers. Why not bring this to your organization and be the hero? That's a really good point. And one of the things I want to help them with is beware your gamer bias. Because the games that you find interesting, you've forgotten probably how intimidating it is even to launch that game and get into it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like all the steps it takes to just fire it up. Oh, I would use plugins and what modification. The whole language for the non-gamer can be super intimidating. So we're really fans of there are other games that are tr- like have a low cognitive load mm-hmm. for the new gamer. Yeah, yeah. And that's usually one of the barriers that happens. So it goes, oh, yeah, let's play Call of Duty. And all of a sudden you think of you turn to your HR manager you go, uh, or your accountant uh-huh. might not be a gamer going, I don't even know how to move them out. I'm like, yeah, I don't yeah, know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what's happening. And so that hardcore gaming, super fun. Like if you got a core group that like we do this for some people that are in um, uh, cybersecurity, those dudes are hardcore and they're fun <laughs> to play with. Like there's no technical hurdle. We can just throw the most complicated things and they just chew it up and eat it. Yeah. But when you're trying to do something that's more across cross department, more social, super inclusive, there's a whole range of games that people are just totally unaware of. Mm-hmm. They're like, I can do that? It's like, absolutely. I'll tell you, a big one, Among Us. Like, have an Among Us tournament. So much fun. And you can't really have a tournament, but what you can have is an event around that. It runs mm-hmm. on your phone. Yeah, yeah. And people get it right away. And the stories they tell and the experiences they share, and it just, it grabs people's imagination and they get it like that. And and it's like free to download on your phone and you can get everybody in that game like quickly. So there's other games out there that do similar things. Hacksball, toss that one out. It's a soccer game. You're running your browser. And those are the kind of things where it's almost less important what the game is. It's less important what you play. It's more important that you, you play. play. It's the event around it and bring it And yeah. trust me, your core gamers may whine and complain about not playing Call of Duty, but I guarantee they will play what you give them to play. They will always choose to play and get every excited. time. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. After they're into it. Well, Scott, this has been tremendous. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you about esports. We've brushed on this topic before on Status Go, but we've never really gotten this deep into it. One of the things we love to do is we love to leave our listeners with a very strong call to action. So, What's one or two things our listeners should do tomorrow because they listen to our conversation today? Oh, wow. That is a, that's a great question. Um, the, you know, honestly, the first call to action that I would ask your group to do is form a fun committee is get together, cross departments say we need a fun committee here. And that there are a range of solutions out there to get, especially if you work from home, is it's one of the smartest things we ever did. And people begin to brainstorm uh, other things you can do and recognize how important it is to carve out time at least once a month 
-hmm. for your teams to come together in a social way using your platforms. And if you lead that, I think you've got an opportunity. Like it takes away all the fear because IT is leading it. It, Of course it's approved. Of course it'll be accessible. Your second call to action, call us and we'll help you uh, do some really fun things. But honestly, you don't need us, um, but we're here to help if you do. But that would be my number one is really get together and hit, man, we need a fun committee and make it, you know, cross-discipline, multi-department and get people's voices in together. And I think it'll be magic what you can create when you start brainstorming and looking into what's possible to create those unstructured, unplanned conversations that cross over and rebond and reconnect your people. I love that because we, we don't spend enough time on fun, especially as you were saying, now that we're in this distributed environment, it all became task work. And I'll give you guys a a trick fun because people get all hung up on fun is your future users network. So (laughs) you're, you're planning for the future to have a growing company Mm -hmm. and you want to make sure that that network is inclusive of everybody in the business. So that's your fun, your fun team. Because we're all about acronyms. We got to make it an acronym. Absolutely. Right? Scott, this has been I'm sure you could come up with a oh, better night. Yeah. Oh, no, I love that one. I love that one. This has been so much fun. I, I've enjoyed our, our conversation. I've learned so much. I'm going to be reaching out for a couple of groups that I work with, and maybe we'll do uh, maybe we'll do an event. But uh, uh, really appreciate you taking the time and, and chatting with us, Scott. No, thank you for having me on the show. Um, and I, what, the work you guys are doing is tremendous right now. It's enabling, think about it, right? You guys are enabling a transformation in the way our economy works. Because we're seeing people, I was just an extra guy on a plane. He can live anywhere he wants now. Yes. Um, and that goes directly to the work your whole audience is doing. So thank you. Yep. To our listeners, if you have a question or want to learn more, visit intervision.com. We'll have the show notes. It'll provide links. It'll provide Scott's contact information. This is Jeff Tun for Scott Novus. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find Intervision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.